How are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Aura. So big things have been happening inside of Ukraine over the last 24 hours inside of areas. I personally was not expecting anything to happen, honestly, when it comes to uh, this war. It just seems like everything's been kind of stale, but it's very, very, very impressive. Now, the Ukrainian counteroffensive is rapidly achieving some impressive gains in the northern part of the country. And the normal like Russian propagandists we, we see are, are describing the current situation as an enormous horde. Yes, an enormous horde that is armed with the best Western weaponry and is swimming in foreign specialists. That is literally verbatim from one of them. So they're swimming with foreign specialists. They don't, they're not even fighting against like Westerners. So I could imagine what this would be like if they're fighting against a real military that was fully capable of destroying them in like, what, two days? Just go throw that out there. Way to go, America. Yay. Anyway, the tone has uh, somewhat changed just a bit as well overnight on Russian state TV with the, the host having to remind the audience by saying this, and I'm going to quote it directly. Let me assure everyone who thinks that we have lost something or we defeated uh, somewhere. Let me remind you that an old proverb, being defeated in battle doesn't mean losing the war. Don't worry about a thing. Everything is fine. That's what he followed up with. So everything is fine inside of Ukraine, which you're going to see here in a second. It clearly is not. They're running for the fences. You know, running for the fences. Is that what they say? Is that a, is that a term? Running for the hills. Running for the hills. <laughs> anyway. Running for the fence, that doesn't make any sense anyway. Uh, but the tone on the ground has not changed much when it comes to the soldiers, I can assure you that. So as you just heard inside the intercepted phone call with a Russian soldier, he was talking to a loved one once again, uh, he was explaining that they should be rotated out there very soon due to the amount of losses they've sustained, and they're okay with looting Ukrainian civilian homes for their gain. This is the same thing we have heard over and over and over, and we've seen this multiple times over the last few months. Uh, from these so-called soldiers, real soldiers. This is that's not so, that, real soldiers don't do that. Professional soldiers don't do that. You don't go in and loot something and steal. Like that's not what you do. Do you guys know what the fastest growing crime in America is? Is actually identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. I myself have been a part of this 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 group of people. I was once put on the Malaysian Airlines website as the person who took down the the airplane myself and ISIS. This happened for about 24 hours, and this is a real thing that happened to me. So, uh, and yes, that's what today's sponsor Aura does for you. It is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, a password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. Now, you might have one of these services already, but if you don't have all the tools, it is literally like locking the front door but leaving the back door wide open. Imagine trying to log into your email account and one day only to use the, the, the password has been changed hours ago. And then you start getting notifications and activity from your bank accounts, your credit cards, crypto accounts, etc. And uh, and it also monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, social security numbers, and sends alerts fast right to your phone. I'm going to tell you guys right now what's also happened to me, which was, I think a lot of you guys, if you guys watch my other channel, know this. About three or four or five years ago, I had someone hack my channel and they uploaded uh, content on YouTube that was two men getting at it. And I couldn't do anything about it because they hacked all my stuff. If I had Aura back then, I wouldn't have that issue. So, anyway, if you guys want to know how many times my passwords were found, here it is. Look at this. Take a gander. This is literally mine. This is crazy. All my information is on the web. Aura also gives you near real-time alerts on suspicious credit card inquiries, like if someone was opening a loan or credit card inside of your name. Aura's VPN also allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. And their antivirus software will block malware viruses before they infect your devices. Protect your family and yourself from identity theft by going to Aura.com forward slash speak the truth. That is Aura.com forward slash speak the truth.
And if you guys sign up right now, Aura will give you a two-week free trial with my link. So if you guys need to check it out, it'll be linked to the very top of the description. Uh, you guys can see for yourself how many times Aura finds you and your family members' personal information on the dark web. I suggest you do this. Click the link at the very top of the description. Go check it out. Go to Aura.com forward slash speak the truth. Now, you're about to find out a little bit more about the hard key front here in a few minutes and what's been happening there. It's been very impressive. I've said this a few times, but... I'm going to tell you guys right now, what's happened apparently, like this has happened apparently, this is the first time this has happened since World War II, and I've, I've seen both sides of this. So yesterday, they claim that they've actually secured, I guess you say, or captured, captured a Russian officer on the Kharkiv front who was thought to be a local commander, but uh, it was only thought that because he changed into an LT, like a lieutenant's uniform, and he tried to, to appear to be a lower-level ranking person, when in fact he was a general that commands literally Russia's West Group. Now, this guy's name is Lieutenant General Andrei Shavoshi. Shavoshi. Anyway, he was said to have been captured yesterday during a big push the Ukrainians have been doing inside of Kharkiv. And, I, and I've told you guys earlier, this is the highest-ranking soldier, like Russian soldier, that's been captured since World War II. I'm not entirely sure this to be 100% true, by the way, because the photos I've seen of this gentleman, it seems to have a couple different birthmarks. His ears look, I, I don't know, it's just maybe the angles of the photos. I don't personally, I don't know. I cannot confirm it, but I'm going to tell you right now, they are saying that they may have captured the general that's in charge of the entire western side, right? That like, like that's pretty crazy. Like, I'm gonna just not jump to any conclusion as to just yet. We're just gonna let it sit there. But I wanted to, to show you guys at least. So now something that is really confirmed is the fact the municipal council in St. Petersburg has actually adopted a resolution calling on deputies of the Russian state Duma to bring treason charges against Putin. Yes, President Putin, that is, and dismiss him from office. I don't personally know how well this is going to go or work out for these people that are actually decided to go up against Putin inside of this territory since he is, well, I mean, he's a fairly brutal man when it comes to stuff like this. We've known him to do some things to people who do oppose him. What happened to a couple of his really close allies when he started opposing or when they started opposing the war inside of Ukraine, they, for some reason, ended up getting like giant rashes and blisters all over their body from being, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, Anyway, in, in these states, uh, this resolution, uh, they're stating that young, able-bodied Russian citizens are dying during the war. The Russian economy is suffering. NATO is expanding east. And Ukraine is receiving new weapons, although Putin calls for the demilitarization of the country itself. That's one of the main goals of the invasion. It goes on to also state that, that uh, and I'm going to quote this exactly, that they believe that President Putin's decision to launch its special military operation, and actually put quotes around it, harms the security of Russia and its citizens. Given that, we ask you as the Deputy of State of Duma to come up with a proposal to change or to bring changes and charges of treason against the President of the Russian Federation to remove him from office. Like I've said before, I don't know how well this is going to turn out for these people, but they are not wrong. They are not wrong. And you know what else is pretty wild? Is hearing the Russians claim that they're fighting for peace in this war isn't something they wanted. And to answer this gentleman on the fact that the West has been preparing for war uh, that's going to last for years, I'm going to reassure him right now that the United States is always prepping for war, and that's why we had the ability to answer what they're doing inside of Ukraine so quickly. We're not just, we don't react. Like, we have the ability to actually hit them real quick because we're always prepping at all times. I can assure you our military 100% is training to be a wartime military like all the time. It never stops. 
Mike. I also think it's really hilarious, by the way. They keep changing their tune from getting rid of the Nazis to, to militarization to now fighting for peace. And now they now they're saying they don't need to looking at this conflict uh, to, as as winning. Like they don't need to win against the West to count this as a win. So they keep changing and moving the goalposts to meet the standard. They realize that this is not going to happen and they need to switch the narrative around just a tad bit. And I am excited. I am super excited to read the comments from the Russian trolls inside of this video. Like, I love sipping through them real quick. You guys can go there. Grab some popcorn right now. Go to the comments of this video. If you guys are watching on YouTube, go over there and just listen. Or I guess you can't really listen. Go read some. They're going to be fairly enjoyable, I can assure you that. Now we're going to be moving on to some mapping. Now, this is going to be some of the most important stuff we talked about over the last week or two. And it's going to help you give it a better understanding of what's going on on the ground and the Ukrainians over this past week. Now, they have actually liberated, just so you guys understand, they've liberated 1,000 square kilometers or just about 390 square miles of territory. And just to give you a comparison, Russia netted, okay, netted 625 square kilometers in July and August. So in eight days time, They've almost doubled, like the Ukrainian military literally has doubled the amount in just over a week while hitting ammo dumps, headquarters, barracks, and river crossings. They've, they've literally doubled, like it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like really, it is. Like they're hitting, like manpowers and supplies going into the winter months are about to be a real issue for the Russians if they do not get things back on track, especially with what we're about to talk about in Kharkiv. Now, I think I may have said this in the last episode, but this could be the end of the Izium front as we've seen it recently. I, I, I do recall saying this because I when they, when they started pushing through in the southern portion right here, I was like, okay, if they're able to actually push through, they're going to cut off that main route. And they did. They cut off that main ML3 route. Okay, that's not all they did. They now cut off the PO7 route that comes in from Kupiansk. Okay, the current counteroffensive the Ukrainians are pulling off is extremely impressive. Like, extremely impressive. They've gotten well within striking distances right now of Kupians, which, if you guys have been following this channel for a while, you know, and I've said this multiple times, that this is the heart of the Izium front, I guess you would say, and the northern, the northeastern front. Like, Izium itself, Izium proper, or excuse me, not Izium, Kupiansk, right there, is the heart for all the logistical supplies that flow out into this whole region, okay? So this is a very... Very, very big deal. It kind of gave me goosebumps, honestly, when, we, when I saw this start happening because we've been talking about it. Like, this is something, and I'll tell my camera guys, I've been talking about this for, for I feel, it feels like months, like literally months. And I'm going to assume the HIMARS are about to get to work on these routes, by the way. We're going to talk about it here in a second. But all the ones that lead uh, up into Kupiansk, they're going to be able to choke off the Russians completely in this area. Uh, they're going to have to figure out another way to funnel in supplies and troops as a whole. Like, if Kupiansk is taken out somehow, like that is going to be, it's going to be insane. That's going to shift the entire dynamic of the northern side of the country. Like I'm not saying this, um, I, I, I'm not saying this is for sure, by the way, but what I've seen and what I'm about to show you guys will give you guys a clearer picture as to what kind of retreat the Russians have been doing. Uh, fair warning, it's fairly disorganized and seems to be done in a very, very quick hurry. Currently, all right, currently. The Ukrainians are advancing on Kupians from two different directions, with the original ones coming from the southern one that's shifting east, okay, which has seemed to cause a bit of confusion. So the original one, they started pushing through here. They started pushing east, okay. It caused a little bit, I think it caused maybe a little bit of confusion because now there's a chunk of Russians. I'm going to put an R right here. That little pocket of Russians had to shift around as this element of, of Ukrainians pushed from uh, east to, or excuse me, from west to east on their southern on their southern flank. And then the Ukrainians came in from their northern side, okay? And they took that entire PO7 route, left a pocket of Russians, 
Okay, that large pocket of Russia is now cut off from their main element uh, when an armored element of, of Ukrainian troops actually pushed down that PO7 route. So right through there, an armored element pushed through, and then armored, it's all basically like this. And just pocket of Russians, cut off completely. I'm not even going to attempt to name. We know what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean this up, though. Look at this. I'm not even going to attempt to try to name all the, the, the towns and little villages all through here. Look at them all. Look at all of them. Okay? All this right here. All liberated in the last 24 to 36 hours. That's a ton. That's the most we've seen. And look how close they are to Kupiansk right now. They're in, they literally, I'm not, like, this is, this is crazy. Like, I'm going to show you guys, uh, I'm going to overlay some images right now, actually, from flag raisins that have been done over the Ukrainians as they push down towards Kupians. Now, literally, as I'm making this video, by the way, as I was, I was typing it up and getting it prepped and ready, I stumbled on some information that's claiming right now that Kupians is currently under heavy HIMARS fire, and the Ukrainian military is now starting their push out of this pocket towards Izzy proper. So, okay, I'm going to go and clean this up once again. As, as I was making this video, it was evolving on the ground ever so, ever so much. I'm going to tell you guys, this area right now is heavily contested and the Ukrainians are pushing south. It seems, it seems that there is elements that have made it all the way down towards this area on the Oskil River. Okay, that's, that's extremely, that's, that to me is insane. Because what else happens here? They reach this, these main black routes. You guys know these are logistical routes. If they're able to cut this off right here, my God. That's gonna cause that's gonna cause some concern for everybody down in Izium. That is literally the only supply route leading into Izium right now, coming from the north. If that's not the case, guess what they're gonna have to do? This whole main supply route, and they're gonna have to hit it like this. Look how much longer that is. Just me drawing that out right there. That's oh my god. And if they're able to get their, if the Ukrainians are able to get their troops in HIMARS and artillery down into this area, they're going to be able to effectively target those routes leading in there. So what's going to happen to the big pocket of men that's in the side here right now? Like we got winter coming, they're going to cut them off from supplies and try to choke them out like they have in other areas. It's pretty nuts. It is, it is pretty nuts when you think about it. Okay. They have also liberated this town as well. Balakia right here on the outer edges. This one has been contested for, for a very long time. This pocket of Ukrainians that's been right here has been there for, I, I think we've talked about them how many times over the last two months? It's given me goosebumps watching this happen, honestly. Because we've talked about this offensive happening for months, and you're seeing it happen like right now. To me, it's, it's just insane. So as you guys are going to see in this next video, the Russians are trying to make a, an exfil from this area. And they've been doing it in a hurry, but they got a little bit bogged down in a certain river crossing, and were forced to abandon their BMPs. And as you guys do know, it's not even the rivers that's, that's, that's going to be giving them a bunch of issues because you're literally going to see them leaving their equipment just in the woods as they retreat. Like, I think this offensive push caught them way off guard. And this goes back to what I said in my previous video about the uh, complacency. Like, complacency itself is a killer in war. Like, when you get complacent, you're there for a month or two months and three months, and you're saying the same thing over and over again. You're, you're literally watching. You're pulling watch. On the same tree line, on the same road, on the same building, and you're going to get complacent. Yeah, granted, you're going to know what's inside of your area and whatnot. You're going to know it really well, like down to like how far something is real quick. But you're going to get very complacent. That seems what happened. Like if it wasn't the case, they would have had reinforcements that real quick reserves backed up. Like, like if you guys are wondering, this this offensive push, by the way, 
when it comes to moving down towards Israel, I'm going to give you guys another clip, and it's them of raising the flags in, inside of Balaklia. I, I just I, I want that to be shown because, like I said, this was a per, fairly it's a fairly large town. And you know what? I actually have something else I want to show you. Matter of fact, I want to show you PO7 just outside of Shukov, Shifkov, right there. This main PO7 route you guys see. I have a video I like to share with you guys of some footage that's coming out of what the route looks like right now. Now, you know, we haven't seen much of this when it comes to the Ukrainian side of things, but you can tell that the people are extremely excited after the last six months of Russian rule. These people are so happy to see the Ukrainian flag come rolling back into their city. See, those kind of clips right there are the types that will actually motivate the Ukrainian soldier, any Ukrainian soldier, to continue on. And one is going to might still ask the question, like, what do the Russians really have to gain right now? Like, why? Like, like I'm just imagine being a Russian soldier inside of Ukraine, getting your teeth kicked in by a smaller military that's using other another country's equipment that they're two weeks trained on. And you're, you're literally losing. Like, what what do you have to gain? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's... It's getting to the point where it's almost like, man, you wonder why the morale is so low. We listen to these intercepted calls all the time, and you can hear what they're saying. Now, to put a cherry on top of this entire push, one of the Russians' accounts that I do follow is actually, he's not really too happy, okay? He's clearly saying that things are really bad, and I'm going to read exactly what he said because I, I get to read a lot, a lot, a lot of Russian accounts. Thank God it's the most, it's my, it's my highlight of my day. I love reading them. So when I get some of this, I'm gonna, I get some enjoyment out of reading it, and I, I want you guys to hear it too. And I'm going to quote him exactly. The push in Kharkiv is the first serious defeat the AFU inflicted on the Russian military. Pause real quick. It's not. What happened in Kiev? What happened in Sumy? What happened in Chernihiv? I'm going to throw that out there. Pretty big defeat. Anyway, huge SF, uh, excuse me, huge F up by the Army Group West. The same one that we're talking about with that general was, was captured, supposedly. If Kupians holds, it's not a catastrophe, but still pretty bad. We shall see the results in two or three days. Yes, I, I think the same thing as well. At least we could agree on that. And then he goes on to say this. In any case, if and if that is a big if, if the overall strategic situation won't change a lot, the optics already are terrible. A whole lot of Americans riding around Kharkiv in Humvees, a bunch of civilians and fresh Russian passports are going to be tortured and slaughtered. I'm going to go and back up here real quick and just tell you, uh, he might be watching the videos. I don't have no idea. Doesn't really matter. There's really no Americans that are keep running around inside of American-made, or there's probably some inside of American-made Humvees, but no American flags running on Humvees. And Americans, honestly, if we were to come in and help with the war, we're not going to roll in in Humvees, by the way. That's not the way this would this would work. Just going to throw it out there. Uh, and for some reason, people that are really incompetent have no idea what they're talking about with military strategics and stuff like that, like this kind of gentleman. They're not going to roll in in Humvees. They're going to hit them real hard through the air, like real hard through the air, like pretty hard. They're going to weaken every single bit of defense that the Russians have. And then they'd roll through and they wouldn't come through first with Humvees. I can assure you that it'd be much larger, much more powerful stuff than a, a Humvee. So just going to throw that out there. Like we have stuff now that Humvees are like damn near obsolete. Just going to throw that out there. That's why we give, we don't care when we give Humvees to like Iraq or, or any like, like they're, they really are kind of obsolete. They're slow. They're heavy. They can climb a lot of stuff, but they're just, they just suck. Anybody that's been in the military, like when I see people riding around in America in a Humvee, I'm like, every single person that served hates those things because they're super hot and they just suck. Anyway, 
I don't believe this offensive that's currently taking place has really anything to do with Kirsten at all. I, th- I think it's it's not a diversion either. I really think that this one was done to take advantage of the Russians not being prepped and ready, clearly, because they didn't have reserves, like I told you guys a second ago. They have no reserves in place uh, inside the area that is going to help when their lines start collapsing. They had no one to really back them up. Like I think the Ukrainians are just taking advantage of the situation, have exploded it very, very well, and will continue to do so. I would assume by the end of the weekend we will have a better understanding of what the end result of Kupiansk will be, especially especially if they have somehow have gotten high Mars or something like that inside of this area and are pounding Kup. Because right now you got to think about it. Kupiansk has not seen a lick of battle. This, like literally none, this entire war, none. What do you think it's like now? Do you really think the Russians were thinking, oh my God, they're going to be able to, no, they got to go through all these other villages and all, no. And it makes you wonder when you zoom back out, how much of this area is just pretty much dead space? Good question, right? They were able to push through here in 24 hours. How far could they push through all through here? It's clearly it's going to spread them out just a tad bit thin, but good question, right? Now we're going to shift over here. Northeastern part of the country. All right, even more is going on. So the Ukrainians have mounted another push to regain some captured land that was taken from them. Uh, the 79th Air Assault Brigade has crossed the Donetsk River and has liberated the town of Stary Karavan. So this is just on the opposite side of Zern. So this one was one of the ones I talked about in last episode. They, I went across. I thought they were maybe just going across and punch them in the face. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Are they going back after Lyman? Are they pushing north out of here to help the northern element that's now pushing south? I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, anyway, they, they liberated this town. It's pretty nuts to me because I wasn't really expecting them to move more men across this river. Since last episode, we talked about this, maybe just a weakness of the Russian. They might be hitting him in the face. I, I don't really know. Um, this could be because if they're seeing some success outside of Kupiansk and they feel they might be able to apply more pressure from the south. Granted, this kind of is a bit of a distance away, but this could be working towards another goal, maybe hitting another supply route or cutting off some supply routes. I don't know about something like that. Or they just want to hit the Russians in the jaw when they can. And honestly, this might be a tough one for me to lay out for you guys because I don't really know what's going on here. I don't know. What's their goal? Remember this one route? This is the one I talked about. Maybe they're trying to get to here because that is one of the only other routes into Izium. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. I have no idea. But if you, I mean, you can clearly see the routes. We live in the 21st century where you can literally see everything on mapping. Like, that's pretty much that. So we're going to shift over here to Bakhmut and the southern side where... There's still a good chunk of stuff that's happening inside the country. The fighting has decreased seriously, or significantly is probably a better term, inside of Solidar Bakhmus towards Bakhmut, okay? Uh, the house-house fighting has pretty much stopped, and it seems the Russians have literally stalled out a just pretty much like they have everywhere else. So moving south out of here on this main line, uh, the Russians have attempted to push through multiple different areas without any success. They gained a little bit of ground towards Kodama, and the Russians are claiming once again that they have captured the village itself, but there's no proof of that as of yet. So no real change along this entire line. Maybe some ground taken by the Russians in Kodama, but not much for me to really even change. We'll have to wait to get some visualization on that. The Russians did take Pisky. So Pisky, once again, is now under the Russian control, which has actually been shifted back and forth over the last two three weeks now. So... We're going to shift over towards Kirsten. Okay, Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsten. It's been uh, it's pretty pretty intense. I'm going to tell you guys right now, over the last 24 hours, there's been 27 close air support missions that have actually gone out by the Ukrainians against the Russians. They've also taken out two S-400 air defense complexes, which are on the opposite side of the river. So they were actually down here on the op. So here's the main river right here. They were down in this area. They took out two S-400 air defenses. 
Now, another Russian fighter jet has actually been downed as well. The Su-24, which has been shot down just outside of the airport. It was down just somewhere over here. Shifting north out of here, there was two helicopters, an Mi-24 and a Ka-52. They've also successfully targeted two more ammunition depots just outside of Kyrgyzstan. And I'm going to assume right now that the offensive movement that's happening inside this region will take a bit longer and it'll be a bit more slow in comparison to what we've seen inside Kharkiv. Mainly due to the terrain and the equipment the Russians have down here. They're able to freely maneuver tanks and such down in this, this region. It's a little more flat. You can see a lot farther. I know this personally. We've had guys sitting right across from here at this table who were born down there, live down here, and are going back over there to, to give it to the Russians once again who have been fighting in this area. It's, it's just open. It's just a different type of terrain structure. But if they continue to hit them at their supply lines, uh, their ammunition depots, they still hit them like they are. There, there's no way the Russians can sustain this going into winter. I keep saying this over and over again. It's the same thing I've been talking about in the northern side of Kharkiv. That push right there, winter time's coming. They know it. Cut off the supply routes. Literally choke them out. Going to starve them out, basically. It's going to be tough. It's gonna. This is, this is going to be tough. So stay tuned. Another episode will come out tomorrow. I do love you guys. I'm out of here.